0: There was a photographer taking pictures for schools. You know, he'd come in, and he had the first graders at that time, and he was trying to get them, you know, to sit right in their school pictures. So it's, not, it's always like this, right? Turn your head this way. Uh, and he had these little first graders, and he would ask them, what do you hope to be when you grow up? Or what do you, what do you think you will be when you grow up? And he'd ask these kids, and you would get different answers, you know, firefighter, policeman, uh, lawyer, you know. First graders have big dreams. One little girl, he asked her, he said, what, what do you think you'll be when you grow up? And She said, tired. <laughs> right? It's funny because it's true. We all know that, right? When we're adults, we think, man, I cannot believe how tired I am sometimes, how worn out I get, how, how much like everything just seems to go and go and go, and I'm just tired. Today we're in a passage, we're in First Kings 19, if you want to turn there, it's page 301 in the Bible in the chair, or if you like the YouVersion app, the Bible app, if you click those little three buttons down at the bottom, the three lines, go to events, we've got a live there, you can follow along, or your own Bible. First Kings 19, we're going to find, we've been studying Elijah's life for several weeks now, this is the fifth week, we're going to finish it up next week, but we're going to find that after all of these things that have happened in his life, Elijah is tired. He's worn out. I mean, I I don't think any of you have come in here tired this morning, have you? Anybody tired a little bit this morning? Yeah, I am, just a little bit. It's my own fault. I woke up too early yesterday um, and didn't see any deer. But, you know, it's okay. So uh, I'm a little tired, but that's okay. We all get tired in life. And a lot of times what we find is that instead of stopping like Elijah had to learn how to do, we like to run. Remember, James 5.17 tells us that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours or a man just like us. And I think that's comforting, because just like us, Elijah got tired, and he got worn out, and, and he didn't have to live through, you know, COVID. He didn't have to isolate, but he was often isolated. He didn't have to try and figure out how to do school and homework and all of these kind of things in the world that we do now. In fact, Elijah didn't really have to worry about a lot of the things that we worry about now, electricity, cell phones, TVs. Those, he didn't have those things, but he was still tired. And we're going to find what happened when Elijah was tired in First Kings 19 and see if maybe there's some lessons that we can learn and take out of this that point us back to Jesus. All right, First Kings 19, we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, let me remind you of our three protagonists, or three people here, our main characters. Ahab is the evil king, Jezebel is his wife, who is a really horrible, horrible woman, and then we have Elijah, who's the prophet, First 1 Kings 19.1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword, 450 of them, after God came down in fire. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. When she said this, he was afraid, he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Quick backstory: Elijah had left Zarephath, the widow, he'd gone back to Israel, he had done this miraculous thing where God, actually God did the miracle, God came down and fire consumed the altar where all of the prophets of Baal were, all the people of Israel were coming back and God had said spoken through Elijah and brought down fire and then they slaughtered the prophets and then Elijah ran for 30 miles ahead of King Ahab when God brought rain on a land that had had drought for 30 years. So here he is in Jezreel thinking, "Man, maybe everything's going to be good." But the king tells his wife what's happened and she says, "I'm going to kill you." And then he ran. He came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness which is about 15 miles, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones in a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, "'Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you.' And he arose and he ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, "'What are you doing here, Elijah?' And he said, "'I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets.'" With the sword and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, same answer, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek to take my life, to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Ebel Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel shall Jehu put to death. The one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel and all the knees that I have not bowed to Baal. And every mouth that has not kissed him. There's a lot going on here, so let's just kind of break this down. Elijah is worn out. He's tired. He's exhausted. He's basically at the point of burnout. He has run and run and run so much in his life. And at this point, there's so much that he doesn't know what to do. You ever been there where you're just like, I am burnt out. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I don't really know what to do. That's where Elijah is. Many times when we're in this position, we do what Elijah did. We've been running, running 30 miles at this point to get to Jezreel. Then somebody says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take your life. We run again. We go, okay, well, where's the next place I can get away from somebody? What's the next thing I can do? He runs away from God's call. He runs away from pain that might occur in his life. Up to this point, God has said, Elijah... Go tell Ahab there'll be no rain. Elijah, go to the brook. Elijah, go to Zarephath. I'll take care of you. Elijah, go to Israel. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring rain. Elijah, now I'm bringing rain. Run ahead of him. All of these things, he has followed God's listening and voice. But when he is tired and exhausted, Elijah runs on his own. So many times when we're tired, we don't think clearly. We run on our own. We try and get ahead of where God is leading. After first service, a lady came up to me and she said, I always say halt Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, just stop. Halt. It's like, yeah, I needed that. Sometimes we run and run and run, but what we learn from Elijah today is this. We need to slow down. We need to refocus on the Father. And remember that you're not alone. We often feel alone when we're tired and lonely and exhausted. But you're not alone. Elijah, this is kind of how Elijah traveled. I want you to see this real quick. I don't know if you see it, but, but just, I'm going to show you these. Way up at the top here, you see Damascus in the left, and then a little bit over here, there's Mount Carmel. This is where Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal. And then you get a red line, he runs to Jezreel, which is kind of 30 miles over there, right? He goes to Jezreel. And then he finds out that the queen wants to kill him. So what does he do? He runs down to Beersheba. So that red line that kind of wanders down through Israel and Judah, down into the desert. They've told me you can see the colors, maybe not the words. It's okay. Colors. He runs down to Beersheba. Beersheba from Jezreel is a hundred miles. So here you have a man who's just run 30 miles ahead of a chariot. He's a fast marathoner. And then he goes a hundred miles into the desert to flee for his life to get away and then he goes another day's journey outside of Beersheba into the wilderness. What do you think Elijah is at this point? He's tired. 130 to 145 miles that he's traveled on his own right now, running or walking. He's tired. Some of you drive that far in a car and you're tired, right? We did that the other day. Tyson and I went up to meet Titus for lunch in and Joplin and, and Tyson slept most of the way. And I was tired most of the way. And then my 17-year-old decided to tell me how to drive. That didn't go very well (laughs) because I was tired. This is Elijah. He's in Beersheba. He's tired. So what does he do? He lays down under a broom tree. This is what a broom tree looks like. It's kind of like a weeping willow almost except not falling, this big shade tree. Elijah gets to this place, and what does he do? Do you see what he does? This is my favorite One of my favorite things in this story, there's a lot of good things here, Elijah came and sat down under the broom tree, this isn't my favorite, but he asked that he might die, saying, it's enough now, O Lord, (laughs) I'm no better than my fathers. You ever been there, like you're tired and angry and just exhausted, and you're like, I am no better than anybody else, it's enough, God, just let me die. (laughs) Like, everybody leave me alone, I don't want to see anybody, just let me be alone. It's so fascinating to me that Elijah here has gone from the elation of the mountain, Mount Carmel. Like this joy, this incredible thing that God did bringing bringing down the prophets of Baal, bringing down rain to exhaustion. So many times we're on this mountaintop high and then when all of the experience, all that we've planned for and prepared for has left us, we are exhausted And we need rest because we're not thinking clearly. The attacks of the enemy are easier. We're more susceptible to what he's going to say. And Elijah gets to this tree. He's like, it's enough, God. Just let me die. And God says, yeah, no, you're not going to die. In fact, you're never going to die. Uh, You're not going to die. Just take a nap. So he does. At his weakest moment, Elijah needed a nap. He needed rest. And God provided rest. He lays down under a broom tree. Sleeping for who knows how long. I love that this story doesn't tell us how long Elijah slept. It's kind of like a teenager on a Saturday morning. Except it's afternoon when they wake up. You know that, right? Remember those? Anybody ever done that? It's like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. You're like, I think I went to bed at 10, midnight. I don't know, but man, I'm still asleep. Elijah needed rest. He gets tapped on the shoulder. The angel of the Lord, that's a big deal. The angel of the Lord shows up. Says, hey, there's um, some bread Here, cake, a cake for you and some water. That must have been the best tasting cake of all time, by the way. I've been thinking about that this week. These random things pop in my head. I'm like, man, God made you a cake, baked you a cake. Said, here, rise and eat. So he wakes up and he eats this baked bread. Have you noticed how often food shows up in Elijah's story? God is constantly providing food for him, constantly giving him his basic need. At his point of burnout, he needed a nap. He also needed food. And when Elijah needed food, what did God do? He provided food. He constantly provides what he needs. Bread and water all over the story. Sometimes we just need food. right? Sometimes we just need food. He falls back asleep. God wakes him up again. The angel of the Lord wakes him up again and says, hey, here's some more food. Rise and eat because the journey is too long for you. There's something that you have to do ahead of you. I'm leading you in a new place right now, so I need you to eat so that you have enough strength. Can we flip this real quick? I think a lot of us, are hungry and tired and angry and all of these things, not because we're not getting enough rest in our lives, but because we're ignoring what we need. We're spiritually hungry, and it's like, you know, you need a good meal. You remember that? Like, you're really hungry, and instead of going and getting a good meal, you go for the chips or the ice cream. It doesn't really satisfy, so you want more food later, because it didn't really satisfy you didn't give what you need. We're spiritually hungry and we go to Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or we go to the news cycle. We watch what's happening with the presidential election and we get more worn out. So then we go eat more chips and ice cream because our focus is all off. And when we're spiritually hungry, we need to go to the word. We need to seek what God has in store for us, the bread and water that we need. If man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, if Jesus was able to quote that, if the people, in the Israelites knew that, then we need to be aware. There is sometimes we have spiritual need and we're looking for other solutions and they're all going to leave us wanting something else. God provides the food we need. We need to focus on Him. We need to slow down because we run and run and run. Oh, maybe... Maybe uh, if I keep myself busy, I won't think about the things that I need to think about. I won't focus on what I need to focus on. Maybe if I keep running, maybe if I keep trying to fill all the gaps, then slowing down won't ever happen and nobody will ever remind me that I'm broken because we're all broken. We need spiritual food. We need to focus on the Father. Remember, you're not alone. Elijah slowed down to refocus and God said, Look, the journey that you have to go on is still great. It's not going to be easy. You have to go to the mountain now. How long does it say that it took Elijah to get to the mountain of God? Verse 8, 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, this journey was about, oh, another 200 miles. Normally a 10-day journey for somebody like Elijah. But for some reason, it says it took him 40 days and forty nights. Now, forty, like we learned about last week, the number seven is significant biblically. Forty is significant. I mean, think about it. The rain fell on Noah and the ark forty days and forty nights. The people wandered in the desert for 40 years when they disobeyed God. Forty years they were in Philistine captivity. Moses spent forty days and forty nights on the mountain fasting and praying. When God gave him the Ten Commandments, Jesus fasted for 40 days. And 40 nights. 40 is a big deal. Jonah told the Ninevites they would have 40 days to repent. 40 is significant in the Bible. And here in our story, Elijah takes 40 days and 40 nights to get to a mountain that should have taken him 10 days. He slowed down. He found time to focus on things. Maybe it was this focus on what God was doing in his life. Maybe it's this focus on where he needed to be. Slow down. Focus on the Father. Summer of 2018, was uh, I was kind of exhausted. Uh, we had had a lot of change here at the church. Um, it had been six months of two of us on staff. I'd taken a master's class at the same time, which was not a wise decision. We were exhausted and worn out. Our family was worn out. We had literally just remodeled all of this which was incredible the way god showed up and you all showed up to be his hands and feet to do that and we were tired you know kind of weak tired and needed some rest and god provided rest and counseling later but um provided rest in that moment hey counseling is really good for me by the way it's been very healthy We provided rest. July 22nd, we moved in here. Everything looks kind of like it does now. It's got a couple years wear on it now. And our family was like, we're out of here. And we left. We left on vacation, 10 days of driving and sleeping in tents, which, yes, is restful, somewhat, the big family like ours. And we drove, and we went, and we got away, and most of the places we were, cell phones didn't work, and so there was no worry about, you know, answering a text message or an email or trying to get a hold of somebody at church. We got home three days later, I went into the mountains to backpack with some of the guys from church. I mean, I needed rest, because I was at the point where I had been running and running and running and doing so much that I was either going to fall apart, like, I, I, I mean, I, I was, I was going to fall apart. And it wouldn't have been healthy for anybody. It wouldn't have been healthy for my family. It wouldn't have been healthy for the church. It would not have been healthy. But God knew, hey, you need rest. So many of us run and run and run, and we never rest. Those three weeks were some of the best things in my life. Because I needed rest. God knew that Elijah needed rest. He was worn out running from what God had in store from him. For him, 40 days and 40 nights, he shows up at a mountain and lodges in the cave. Mount Horeb, by the way, is also called Mount Sinai. It is known as the mountain of God. Our first encounter with this mountain is in Exodus 3. Moses, out tending the flocks for his father-in-law, he sees a bush burning but not consumed. He goes to check it out like any of us would. Hey, there's a fire. Let me go see what's going on. You ever done that? Follow the fire trucks. I know I'm not alone. He goes up on the mountain, God says, Take off your sandals. This place is holy. I'm going to use you to take your people out of, take my people out of Israel. I've heard their cries. Later, Moses goes back up on this same mountain 40 days and 40 nights to get the law handed down to him. This is a holy place. I don't know how Elijah knew to go to this specific place. But I know God said, I need you to go there and I'm going to show up. We'll talk about this a little bit next week. But in the transfiguration story of Jesus on the mountain, there's two people there, Moses and Elijah. The only ones who actually saw God, who actually encountered God on the mountain. Mount Horeb, the ones who actually felt his presence in that moment, in that place. Elijah goes to the mountain where he needed reassurance. Reassurance. And God gives him reassurance. He came to a cave lodged in it. verse 9. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? You ever had that? You walk in early in your house. What are you doing here? I didn't expect you yet. I I did that this week. I shocked Robin because I went home early to watch the Chiefs on Monday night because they played at 4 o'clock. What are you doing here? Chiefs are on. Okay. Makes sense. Which they're going to beat the Broncos today, by the way, Mark. So... Came to a cave, he lodged in it. I'm sorry, this uh, just slipped out, right? What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. I've been jealous for you, God. But the people, man, the people. The people, they have followed Baal. They have built idols to him. They've forsaken your covenant. They've killed your prophets with the sword, and I'm the only one left. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and I'm it. I'm all alone. Nobody else is following you like I am. you ever felt like that? Nobody else believes I'm at work all alone. Nobody else believes what I believe. Nobody else stands for what I stand for. Nobody else is trying to follow God like I am. I'm it. Elijah needed reassurance. So what does God do? Step out to the mouth of the cave, Elijah. Go stand out on the mount before the Lord and behold The Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks. Broken pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a whisper. And Elijah wrapped his cloak around his face and he walked out to the mouth of the cave. We live in a noisy world. I asked this first service, I'm going to ask it of you. How many of you love to have noise in your house? TV on, radio on, you get in the car, something's going on, right? This is how we live. We have the sound of electrical noise. Currents humming, the air conditioner right now going on around us. There's constant noise, people talking. Can't hear the birds sometimes. Elijah didn't live in that world. I mean, think about it. He'd been alone for a long time. Isolated, running. Not a really loud life. He didn't have lamps, keeping in mind. He didn't have electric light bulbs. I mean, he lived a quiet life. But he was still looking for God to show up in big ways. God doesn't always show up in the noise. In fact, it's rare that God shows up in the noise. I was looking back at some notes. We actually preached on this passage last year, I think last May. And it was interesting because what I found is that when that we get to that word whisper, Whisper actually means sheer silence. The Lord was not in the wind that broke up the mountain. He was not in the earthquake. Can you imagine an earthquake shaking the very foundations of a mountain that you stand on? He was not in the fire. Fire had come down on that mountain before. God had been in that fire, in that burning bush, but not this time. No, God was in the sheer silence. Elijah had run and run and run and believed that he was alone and all of these things that God had to get him to the point that he was still be still and know that I am God and he was in the silence and Elijah walked out and the Lord said what are you doing here Elijah said I've been very jealous for the Lord I've been very jealous for you God the God of hosts the people of Israel they've forsaken your covenant they've built idols, they've thrown down your altars, they've killed your prophets. I'm it. I'm all alone, and they seek to take my life as well. Elijah needed hope. God provided hope. He provided hope in kind of an interesting way. Have you ever noticed that mountaintop experiences end? You can go be alone with God in the mountains. Some of my best times with God have been in the mountains when I'm alone with him, and there's silence, and I'm not listening for other voices. But God calls Elijah to action. I'm going to give you the rest you need, and then I'm going to call you to action. He calls him to action. He says, okay, here's the deal. You're going to go back through Damascus. Let me show you the map again. This is our map, Mount Sinai, way down at the bottom. There's a purple line from Mount Sinai that goes all the way up to abel Mehola. And then he goes all the way back up to Damascus. That's a long journey once again. The difference is he's not running tired. He's not running weary. He's running full of rest because God has called him to rest. Elijah goes up. God says, okay, here's the deal. You're going to go through Damascus. When you arrive there, a point... Anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. Anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi to be king over Israel. And, uh, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mahilla, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. Like, I'm giving you hope, letting you know you're not alone. There's other people here, and they are on my side. And you're going to appoint them to places where they can honor me. And also, by the way, Elijah, you think you're alone. There's 7,000 people in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. You are not alone. You are far from alone. There are thousands of others who are following God along with you. But Elijah could not have got to this point where he found the hope that he needed if he did not do what? If he did not slow down. If he did not spend some time focusing on the Father first. And remember that he's not alone. Somebody had to speak into him. Somebody had to say, look, you're not alone. God had to tell him, you're not alone. It can feel alone sometimes following Jesus, especially right now. Elijah had no election cycle to follow. He had no old men yelling at each other. He didn't have people telling him what to believe all the time. He didn't have a 24 hour news channel. He didn't have a phone in his pocket where he could see things all the time. He just needed rest. He needed to remember who God is. He needed to focus on the Father. He needed to take a journey that took him a little while to get there. To be reminded on the cave of who God is, our world is full of noise. We struggle to rest. So, what do we do? If Elijah had to get away, travel to a mountain, we know that's not always feasible for us. We're not going to walk 200 miles to get there. We're not going to see the, the, we know there's hope. How do we find that hope? We've got to focus on Jesus. This so is what we do, Matthew chapter 10, 11, sorry, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus promises rest. If You'll turn there, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus promises rest. He says this, actually, I'll let you get there. I think there's times when we want to run, right? We, we, we want to get ahead of where God is leading, we want to try and do things on our own. We have a Savior who's like, look, I, I came to help you. I came to take care of sin. I came to point you to the Father. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You're tired, you're worn out, you're running so much that you don't know if you can actually get done with the day. Jesus says, look, I will give you rest. Running from sin, running or running to sin, running to try and solve all of the world's problems on our own. Jesus says, look, come to me. I will give you rest. I'll ease the burdens of your mind. I will help you to live a different way. But you've got to come to me first. When you rest, when you come to Jesus and you rest, focus on him. Focus on the Father. Isaiah 30, verse 15. Isaiah is talking to the people, quoting what God says. He says, look, for thus says the Lord, the God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling, and you said, no, we will flee upon horses, therefore you shall flee away. We will ride upon swift steeds, therefore your pursuers shall be swift. God's like, look, if you return to me, if you come to me, then I will give you rest. Otherwise, your pursuers are going to track you down if you keep trying to run. Seek me and find me. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. We find rest for our weary souls when we turn to him. Rest from our sin and our wandering. Rest from our troubles. But When you rest, you've got to remember that you are not alone. You rest. Remember, you are not alone. You have a Savior who loves you. Deuteronomy 31, six, Joshua 1.5. He told the people, I will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13.5, he says the same thing. Quotes it, I will never leave you or forsake you. Three or four verses later, he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever never leave you or forsake you. You are not alone when you follow Christ. There are times when the world will feel alone. It will feel lonely. But Hebrews 12 also tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us, those whom we worship with. You're looking in a room right now. If you felt alone in faith, there are others who believe the same thing as you. The story of Elijah reminds us that we are not alone, that we need to slow down, focus on the Father, Remember, you're not alone in this. The battle isn't yours to carry alone. Sometimes we feel it is. Sometimes our modern faith, we sing songs that are about me and about how good I feel. And God says, look, turn to me. We need to turn to him. So we need to slow down. Elijah was reminded that he needed a nap. Robin and I were at a church years ago where our minister would constantly say, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to take a nap. Rest, your weary body. Quit trying to run all the time. It's okay. We need to be reminded of what the psalmist says, to be still and know that I am God. Be still. Rest. Know who God is. Take a nap. Spend some time in the Word. Call somebody. You know, I was trying to think, how do we apply this? What do we do, what Elijah did? How do we do this? Because clearly we're not all going to a mountain this week to get away. But you can not take a nap. I think a lot of us don't even get enough rest in our lives. Get, get the rest you need. Go to bed early. Take a nap. Shut your phone off. Do what you need to to get rest this week. Focus on the Father. Open your Bible. Spend some time with Him. Read the Psalms. Read Proverbs. Look for Jesus. Read the Gospels and find out what an incredible Savior we have, what He did for us. Look at how the Old Testament always points to him. I was thinking about this. Many times in our faith, we feel very alone. We feel tired. I know in ministry, it can feel that way a lot of times. I isolate myself. I don't call other ministers going through the same things. Something for me this week is I'm going to call a friend. I'm just going to say, hey, let's just talk about ministry. But before we talk about ministry, can we just talk about Jesus? Jesus. I mean, how often do we have a conversation just about Jesus? Remembering we're not alone in this. Like, there are others who love him. Let's focus on him together. Take a nap. Read your Bible, focus on him. But call somebody else and say, can we just talk about Jesus this week? I just want to remember I'm not alone. Yeah, sometimes there may be some battle wounds, some things you need to talk through. But let's just focus on him. The lesson I think that we can learn from Elijah today, and we're not done with his story, we're going to see kind of the end of it next week, is that sometimes, as people, we just need to slow down. Would you pray with me? God, I'm really grateful for you. I'm thankful for a reminder in my own life today that slowing down is Okay that there will always be troubles, there will always be hardships in the world, there will always be things that I'm running toward that may not satisfy, but you will always satisfy. God, I pray that your will would be done in my life. but pray that your will would be done in the lives of the people here. That we would stand for your kingdom. We would stand for your truth. We would stand for knowledge of you. God, that we would slow down and focus our lives on you. God, I pray that if anybody in here today does not know you, that they would seek you and find you. They would commit their life to you. It's your name I pray. Amen.